Acts chapter 16 is where we are going to be today, starting in verse 11. So uh, you can just have your Bibles open. I just encourage you, whether you, there's a Bible in the pew, if you didn't bring one today, um, I don't have a problem with you having your Bible open on your phone. Uh, if, if you're not checking your Facebook status at the same time, I'm okay with that. So uh, wh- whatever you find, uh, get, get to the book of Acts, because remember uh, the, the teaching the preaching of God's Word, and ultimately God's Word communicating to us through His Spirit is what changes and transforms us. So it isn't so much about what I say, but always about what God says to our hearts. So um, keep that in your hearts and minds as we begin today here in in Acts. I've been really loving and enjoying going through this, this book and just the history and just the, the methodical accounting of the events that uh, Paul and Silas and Barnabas and, and now Timothy and Luke and, and all these people that they went through as they reached out and wanted to spread the message of Jesus Christ alone saves to the then known world. And so we see this taking place and we see these journeys unfolding. And so here we are in chapter 16 and we are once again picking up in the second missionary journey with Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke. So we see the transition last week. We, we saw the call that the, the people, a person from Macedonia called them in verse 10. God gives them a vision of this person. Come over here, it says there in verse 9. And so Paul took that from the Lord, that that's where the Lord wanted them to go. And so they make their way to Macedonia. So we'll get into the details of that here in just a moment. But one of the things that I think that we see, and we've seen this before, and this is not just brand new information for us as we've been looking through the book of Acts. What we see again here in Acts 16 is a, a a model of what it takes to be a true servant of God. And now right off the bat, you may say, well, that's great to know what a model is of, of, of a true servant of God, but I don't know that I want to be one. And, and that's something that you do have to answer in your own heart and mind. But let me just remind you of something that you see very clearly in Scripture. If you put your faith in Christ, if you are a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are a servant. It isn't a, a question of uh, whether you want to or not. That is, for all of us, our role. When we become a child of God through faith in Christ, we automatically become a servant of the King. And so with that in mind, I want us to consider this attitude, this model, this idea of serving and all that it encompasses and all that comes with it. And so today, um, I want us to consider the benefits of serving. Serving has its perks. Now, they may not be the perks that you would think. They may not be the benefits that you would expect. But there are great blessings and benefits to serving God. And sometimes we as believers, if we're not thinking along those lines, we are missing out on all the benefits Because we're thinking about ourselves. We're thinking about what pleases me. You look around our our culture, and especially here in America, 
there are a lot of perks and benefits today. And we live in an economy right now where the economy is going good, unemployment is low, and because of that, there is a demand for good workers. And so what we've been seeing over the past number of years is just these companies coming up with all kinds of good, creative ways to attract good employees, those that would would be faithful to their company. And so they, they create all these, these extras, these perks, these benefits. Now, you remember back in the day, um, you know, if you started working for a company, you were lucky to have basic health insurance. You got paid hourly. Uh, you may have gotten paid overtime, but, but it was just basic health insurance and that was it, but not anymore. Now, that may be still for you. I don't know. But for many companies, it's completely different. I was just doing some research on this because I was thinking about, okay, what does it take? What does it look like? The perks, the benefits of just normal life. And maybe some of you are working for people or companies that have these extra benefits. Some corporations, one famous one actually that shall remain nameless, all of you know uh, probably which one I'm talking about, but this, this company, they offer a number of things for their employees. Free food for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They offer on-site haircuts, a fully equipped gym, and swim-in-place pool. They offer game rooms with video games and ping-pong tables, billiards, and foosball, They have a laundry facility. They have dry cleaning service. They have on-site medical staff. Uh, Now, if you work for this company, uh, that's great. Um, And all of us that don't work for it, we're jealous because that would be awesome. I don't know how much work we would get done. In fact, I think I should propose this to the elders and deacons um, (laughs) for the employees of uh, Northwest Community Church, some fringe benefits. Uh, Don't fire me. I was just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, free haircut. <laughs> yeah, Dan is offering free haircuts. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, one size fits all. It's uh, <laughs> this is totally off subject. Years ago, they had that commercial for that the Flowbee, you know, um, the haircut thing where it had the vacuum attached to it, and you could attach the and you just drove it through every person's hair and it all was the same and it was awesome. So maybe some of you still cut your hair that way, I don't know. But it's great, I wish I had that because it makes a mess when I, when I do cut my hair or beard. So anyway, where was I going with that? <laughs> I am sorry. You probably ought to pray. Um, we will pray in just a moment. Um, so there are perks, there are benefits, we get that. But what I want us to truly get is that when it comes to serving the Lord and in a sense being an employee of God, the perks, the benefits, the blessings that come our way are truly extraordinary and amazing and and sometimes not truly definable or quantifiable, and yet they are truly there. We just don't always see the package deal. We don't always see the benefits up front. But looking back or looking down the road after serving for a period of time, we can truly see the benefits of serving God. And that's what I want us to see today in in this passage and next week as well. I want us to see that serving the Lord comes with great benefits. And so uh, you'll see that there in your notes, this, this one theme that I want our hearts to connect to today. The benefits of serving Jesus at times are disguised but never lack in eternal worth. 
They never lack an eternal value. Sometimes they're disguised, and you'll see very clearly this morning that they don't always look like benefits, and yet they are. And so with that thought in mind, with that uh, concept starting to stir in our mind, I want us to begin in verse 11 and read through verse 25. That's where we'll finish today. Acts 16, verse 11 through verse 25. So putting out to sea from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace and on the day following to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. And we were staying in the city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside to the gate to, to a riverside where we were supposing that we would have a place to pray. And we sat down and began speaking to women who had been assembled. A woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. It happened that we were going uh, to the place of prayer. A slave girl, having a spirit of divination, met us, who was bringing her masters much profit by fortune-telling. Following after Paul and us, she kept crying out, saying, These men are bondservants of the Most High God, who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. She continued to do this for many days. But Paul was greatly annoyed. And turning and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of, the, of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And at that moment, she came out. He came out. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. And when they had brought them to the chief magistrates, they said, These men are throwing our city into confusion, being Jews, and are claiming, proclaiming customs which are not lawful for us to accept or to observe, being Romans. Verse 22, the crowd rose up together against them. The chief magistrate tore, his, tore their robes off of them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. And when they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet to the stocks. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Now, let's pray so we can get our minds where they need to be. Father, we thank You for Your Word. and We're we're so thankful that as we look at Your Word, it's clear. You don't hide things from us, God. The things that You want us to know, You reveal. And and I thank You for revealing the the truths that, that You're always at work and that serving You has amazing benefits both now and eternally. And so, Lord, would you help us to just understand not only that concept, but whatever you want each of us as individuals to learn and to hear and to know today. God, would you have your way in our hearts? Draw us close to yourself. Convict those that need convicted. Encourage those that need encouraged. Lift up those that are down. And, Father, that you would draw us all to your Son, Jesus, and that you would have your way among us this morning. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. 
Amen. So although we don't always see the, the perks, serving the Lord truly does have some amazing benefits. So what are these amazing benefits of serving the Lord? What are they? Well, let's go back to verse 11 through verse 15. And I want us to understand that, that one of the amazing benefits of serving the Lord is serving demands obedience. Now, I want you to just think about that in your mind for a moment. Serving demands obedience. Now, I know what you're thinking. That is not a benefit. Serving demands obedience is not a benefit. It may be a fact. It may be a reality or a truth, but you could argue that it's not a benefit. I want to argue the opposite. I want to say that it is. As we obey God, we find blessing. When you obey the Lord in anything that God has told you to do, you find great blessing in the obedience. To obey is better than sacrifice. To follow what God has commanded us is better than just uh, doing these, these things that would honor God and bringing a sacrifice and then going and doing your own thing. But to follow Him every day, obeying Him, there is great blessing in that. And we can just look in nature and in the family unit and just in the normal social structure, obedience brings blessing. If we didn't believe that, then we wouldn't have laws. If we didn't believe that, then parents, they would never tell their kids no. They would never give their kids boundaries. They would say, oh, go, go do what you want. Oh, you want to touch that hot stove? Go ahead. That's just fine. Enjoy. You see, we set rules. We set boundaries. We, whether it's nationally, whether it's in our own home, there are laws. There are rules to follow. And we say in human nature, we say, that's not a blessing. That's like a curse, right? And yet, these laws, these rules... These commands that we are to obey truly are a blessing. And so serving, following in obedience as we serve, brings about a great blessing. It is a benefit. It is a perk. It is something that comes our way that we don't deserve, and yet we see very clearly that, that it's something that we have, are able to enjoy from God and what He has done. So serving demands obedience. And because of that, as we follow in obedience, there's a great blessing. Let me, let me just cover this in, in specifics here for a moment. Look at verse 11. And I think on the, on the map, well, in just a moment, let me just make my first point here. Serving demands obedience. And there's three ways in which we see Paul and Silas and them obeying. First of all, in obedience to travel. They went where God told them to go. Obedience to travel. They, they listened to the Lord. You go back in verses 9 and 10, the vision and everything, and they went immediately and they made a straight course for Philippi. They headed that way and they arrived there quickly. Are we obeying God where He tells us to go? God is leading us. He wants to lead us every step of the way, every day. 
and he wants us to take steps of faith. He wants us to take steps that he is showing us the way we know where to go often. And if we don't ask him and he'll show us, and yet often we are not being, we're not willing to travel where he is asking us to go. But serving God demands that we obey. And they were obedient. So they went to Philippi and they went to work and minister and, and they didn't know everything that was going to unfold there in, in Philippi, but they knew that that's where God wanted them. So they obediently traveled to where he had asked them to go. Now, there's a, there's a map, and I want to just show that just for a moment, just for us to understand a little bit more, just picture, because there were some questions about this and in uh, the, the Sunday school classes and things. So remember, this is a, a map of the second missionary journey. And so, again, they were here in Antioch, and they started on their way. And then as they made their way visiting some of these towns, they, they stopped here at Lister Derby, Iconium, remember, and they met Timothy again, and they recruited him, and he joined the group. And then they went on over here, hoping to go up, remember last week, hoping to go up north into Asia, which was still Turkey. This is all Western Turkey. And they, Paul wanted to go north, and the Spirit of God and Jesus said no. And so then they had the vision. He had a vision and said, go to Macedonia. So they made their way to Troas, which was there by the sea. They went to Samothrace, which was an island right here, and then made their way to Neapolis, which was a coastal town, and then over to Philippi, where we are at right now in, our, in Acts. So we see that they traveled. They were obedient. They went where God wanted them to go. Again, keep that in your mind. Are we obedient to where God wants us to go? Secondly, Serving demands obedience, not only obedience to travel, but obedience to tell. Notice verse 13, as we see some of the story unfolding. On the Sabbath day, they went out to the, the, the riverside where they were wanting to pray, and they sat down and began speaking to women who had assembled. We don't really know the reason uh, uh, truly for their assembly. Remember, it was a Sabbath, and so they probably weren't working too much, although this is a Gentile culture overall and community. And so there may have been many, uh, and in fact, Lydia was most likely one of them, and so they may have just been doing a lot of normal things that they did from, week, from day to day. But they were gathered together, and so, as is custom, Paul began to minister to those that God puts before him. Obedience to tell others about Jesus is always what is commanded of us. They spoke to whomever Jesus gave them an opportunity to speak to. Do you look for divine appointments? This was a divine appointment where God brought them to the river. He brought Lydia to the river with these other women. And so Paul begins to speak to them about the Lord. And Lydia, as we read on in verse 14, she begins to listen to what they have to say. But if they weren't willing to tell of the message of Jesus, then there would, nothing, there would be not anything to listen to. Are you willing to go and tell others about Jesus? Serving demands obedience to travel, to tell. Why do we go and why do we tell? I think it's important that we answer that question today because this is some of the most... Uh, straightforward commands of Jesus in, in the Word of God. Jesus commanded His disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel, the Great Commission. Jesus commanded us to do this. And so why do we go and tell? Because we're commanded to. Obvious. Matthew 28, verses 16-20 through 20 is the Great Commission. Most of you are familiar with that. But 
This was obedience to that command that Jesus gave. So we go and tell because Jesus commanded us. But secondly, and equally important to the fact that Jesus commands us to do something, is that Jesus constrains us to do something. Jesus constrains us to tell others about Him. What do I mean by that? Really quickly, go over to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. Everybody with me? I'm sensing sleepiness. All right. If your neighbor is sleeping, gently nudge them. I honestly haven't seen anybody sleeping, but... 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 and 15 reminds us of why we go and tell. Not just because we're commanded to, but because Christ constrains us to. Now, let me, this verse will explain that. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14, For the love of Christ constrains us, or another word, controls us, or motivates us, or steers us. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died, and He died for all, so that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died and rose again on their behalf. And so we go and tell. Paul and Silas went and told. They were obedient to what God asked them to do out of the love that God had for them, out of Christ's love that took Him to the cross to die in their place, in our place, that love constrains us to go. If you are not compelled, that's maybe another, a better word to describe this, if you're not compelled to go and tell others about Jesus, you need to look inside your own heart and say, what, what kind of an impact has salvation made in me if I'm not willing to tell someone else about what Jesus has done for me and what, the, what Jesus has done for them? Serving demands that we go that we tell out of a command, but out of Jesus' love for us and for that person that needs to hear about Jesus. Let's look at Lydia for a moment. We see from this perspective that obedience, obedience to tell, obedience to travel, obedience to trust. We're trusting God for His work. And what we see in verses 14 and 15 is God working in a person's life. And in this case, it was Lydia. We have to trust God for the results. We have to trust that God knows what's best. We don't get to decide who who puts their faith and trust in Christ. We don't get to decide. We can't convince people of this. We are commanded to tell. They uh, have to respond, and we have to trust God for that result. But notice Lydia's response and the result of them going and telling. A woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God was listening. She was a businesswoman. She was a ways from home. You can look on the map uh, on your own and, and see that Thyatira, I believe, was to the east over uh, in, in Turkey. But she was over there doing business. And yet, the Spirit of God says that she was a worshiper of God. We don't understand all that that means, although what we do know is that she had a longing to know God. She may have been a a proselyte Jew. She may have been a a follower of uh, the the Mosaic Law and and following the the commands and, and worshiping God in that way without being a believer yet. She was longing. She was seeking. She was wanting to know the true and living God. So she was a worshiper of God. 
God has set her up in this place at that time for this specific divine appointment. But I want you to note something there. This, this woman was listening. She had ears to hear. And how many times would we say that, that our ears are open to truly listen to what God has to say? Or are we just listening to, to certain things and only certain things? Not really willing to listen to whatever God has to say, but only hoping to hear something that we want to hear from God. I think a lot of times we have um, a certain list of things that we're willing to do for God or to hear from God, and the rest we just filter out and we say, no, that's not for me, that's not for me. She was listening. Her ears were open. And notice this, and this is important, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. This is where we as people that tell others about Jesus have to trust God for the results because it's God who does the work. This is absolutely key in the understanding of people being saved. When you go tell the, share the gospel with someone, it is not your job to save them. You cannot save them. You cannot convince them. It's the work of the Spirit of God. And this is a perfect example of that. The Lord opened her heart to respond. You ever find it interesting when you share the gospel with someone that they're just like, there's maybe a blank stare? There's maybe, you can just sort of see what you're saying sort of going over their head. There's a closed offness maybe at times. They don't want to hear it. But see, those type of individuals are what we see in Scripture that the God of this world has blinded their eyes from understanding and hearing the truth. And apart from the Spirit of God, removing the veil, removing the blinders, It's the work of the Spirit of God to open their hearts to hear Christ and the message of salvation and to respond. And so when I preached the salvation message last week, I gave you an opportunity to come to faith in Christ. I said, pray this prayer. Turn to the Lord. It's the only way of salvation. But is is that my responsibility to convince you of that? Absolutely not. That's the Holy Spirit's job to open your heart so that you would respond. And this is what happened with Lydia. She, her heart was opened and she responded. And it goes back to this fact that if Paul was not obedient to God to go, to tell, and to trust God for the work, Lydia, at least at this time, would not have come to faith in Christ. At some point later, we're confident she would have. But do you see how God blessed And it was a benefit to Paul in his serving God to see the fruit of someone coming to faith in Christ. This was the result. And the result was faith in Christ, the baptism of her whole household. And so, long story short, what does that mean? It's that she got saved, and then the message was communicated to those that lived in her house, and they got saved, and then they were all baptized. And then, thirdly, she had such a, a love and a compel for them that she persuaded them to come stay with her. So, um, you know, she had a big enough home to, to put up at least four guys to stay with her for a while. Hospitality was one of those results. All because, so the benefits of obedience... When we obey God, God blesses. We can't define that. We can't say, well, if I obey that, I know this is going to happen. I know people are going to get saved if I'm obeying. We don't know that. 
Because God has to do what He's going to do. So my question to you, when it comes to obedience, what is God asking you to do? So this is really where it comes down to a very practical thing. Think about your own life for a moment, the things that are going on in your life, your relationships, the things that you're thinking through in your own heart and mind, your relationship with God uh, in, in specific ways. What has God been asking you to do? And you know He's asking you to do it, and you are still being disobedient in it, and you're not responding. I'll do that. I'll go. I'll, I'll do what you've told me to do. You see, when we're disobedient to what God is asking us to do, we're missing out on God's benefits and His blessings, the perks of serving. We're missing out. So what are you missing because you're being disobedient? And change that. Obey. We think obedience stinks. We think obeying means that I'm no longer in control. That's true. But we're missing out on great benefits and blessings because we're not obeying. There's a second amazing benefit, perk of serving the Lord. And notice verse 16, and we want to pick it up and look at a, a bigger portion here for just a moment, but boy, we're, we are hurting for time. Okay, <sighs> I'll see here. Serving brings adversity. Serving brings adversity. And again, I'm, I'm, I think I have my second strike right here. Strike one with uh, serving demands obedience. That doesn't sound like a benefit. Serving brings adversity. This is surely not a benefit, is it? It doesn't sound like a benefit at all. It's not a perk at all. And yet what we see is true blessing coming from adversity. Serving does bring adversity, but in such a way that ultimately is going to produce awesome fruit. And with that in mind, I hate to do this to you, but we are over time. <laughs> and um, <sighs> let me just try and wrap it up this way, and we'll pick it up there next Sunday. Obedience, adversity, these are things that in no way we would define as a benefit or a blessing. Definitely not a perk to the job of serving God. And yet what we see here that when these men uh, have the conflict with the, the demon-possessed girl, and as a result they get wrongfully accused, and they get thrown into prison, and they get beaten for that, and all of that stuff, we say that is injustice, that is horrible, that is not fair, and yet, it is all for a purpose because you keep reading, and I would encourage you to keep reading on through that passage and read the end of the story because what you find is that that was exactly God's plan for them to have adversity so that they could experience great blessing in making contact with the Philippian jailer and seeing him and his whole household saved. You see, serving has great blessings even if it's disguised as adversity, even if it's disguised as suffering. And so as we leave this place this morning, hardship is guaranteed when it comes to serving God. But we never must forget that blessing comes from a life that is poured out in humble service to the King. I pray that that would be our heart and our mind today. And again, um, I would just encourage you next Sunday when we have more time, 
we'll, we'll pick it up there and we'll see some of the details and the blessings of serving God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your time uh, that you've given us together. And we just pray that as we leave this place, that we would uh, just take time to connect with other people, to uh, find some encouragement and look for ways to encourage others to serve you. Uh, through ministering to other people. And, and God, help us in our attitude towards serving, that it wouldn't be just out of duty or obligation, but that we would truly see long-term perspective, the eternal benefits of, of serving you. And so we thank you for that clear example in your word. And we pray that you would just uh, go with us as we leave this place, if, as you promised to do. And, and Lord, that you would bring us back here next Sunday. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.